the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is, our financial and retirement expert in studio, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Chris. And how are you today? Well, so far so good. I mean, I'm kind of a, I've been watching a lot in the news about this uh, this summit. I mean, this is kind of a neat thing if we can get some peace with North Korea and some of these geopolitical things that are happening in the news are good things. So, I don't yes, know. peace is always good, isn't it? Yeah, peace is good. Peace is good. I remember the '60s. Well, I don't remember the '60s. <laughs> no. You don't remember the '60s? Love oh, Chris, peace. now you've just opened up a whole can of worms. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little, a little. I was born in the early '60s, so still. Oh, okay, I'm a young man still. Okay, there you go, <laughs> there you go. Very good, very good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal show. Here, I usually start the show off each week with what happened in the markets, the economy. And things like that, and it's, you know, different week, same theme, same story, press on. The market is trading off of interest rate concerns or inflation fears as well as tariff talks and geopolitical issues. So when you boil it all down, you know, it's just another week to press on until Wall Street gets clarity of direction on some of these decisions. And with the uh, fear of... uh, uh, some issues geopolitically in Italy, it looks like the uh, Fed futures have dropped to, you know, consensus seems to be maybe two more rate hikes this year instead of three, which is kind of an interesting play uh, with, with, with what's going on there. So we'll have to wait and see how, how things play out. But, you know, at the end of the day, rates are still continuing to move up. The forecast, the consensus in, in 2020 is uh, the Fed funds rate being about 2.88%, which is, uh, you know, pretty good shot from here upwards. Uh, but, you know, at, at the same time, we've got a growing economy, and they want to stay ahead of, of the inflation fears. And, and, you know, as long as it doesn't go up too much too quickly, uh, Wall Street should be okay with it uh, as far as stocks goes and the economy continuing to expand, things like that. These so. geopolitical issues, they're like crazy Ivans, aren't they? You, you just, they kind of just <laughs> jump up. You don't know when they're going to happen. That's true. That That's true, and that's why you want to have ballast in your portfolios. You know, you want to have diversification, uh, ge- geolog- I mean, not geological, but uh, geographical diversification as well. So 
you know, all different types of risks stack up into an investment portfolio. Chris, you've got business risk, inflation risk, tax risk, inflation, you know, uh, interest rate risk, um, you know, and just all different types of things. So, so you want to make sure that your portfolio's well diversified. There's no such thing as a perfect investment out there, guaranteed high rates of return, liquidity, tax free. There's nothing out there that's going to tell me when you, you get one, right? Stuff. Yep, I'll be the first one to line up and get that. That's that's for sure. So, hey, moving forward into um, uh, the next couple of months here, uh, it's kind of interesting here. If you if you if you like stats and things, you know the old theme of sell in May and go away, come back in September, October. Uh, you know, a lot of times it doesn't play out. But just to give you some history here, from 1993 through 2017, June is ranked as the 10th worst month out of the 12, followed by August is the worst ranked month, and September is the 11th ranked month. A lot of people think September or October is the worst, but it's actually August is the worst ranked month in, in, in uh, stock market performance. Uh, over the last 25 years. So, you know, with, with that being said, hey, let's turn the tide here and break these records now. But Does you know, that mean yeah, anything, really? It really doesn't because when you, when you it, think about a baseball team, you know, there's nine people that are batting on that baseball team. Well, there's more through the course of the year. But, but basically, when you look at the roster of a baseball team, somebody has to have the best average at the end of the year. And somebody has to have the worst average at the end of the year, right? Now, if you take a sampling – of maybe three or four years, then you're going to have different players that have the best average and the worst average. But if you take a sampling over a long period of time, sooner or later there's going to be a player that goes, hey, you know what, I've had the best average over the last 15, 20 years, and somebody else is going to go, yeah, well, I've had the worst. It's the same thing in the stock market because there's a finite amount of months that are being measured. So when you measure you know, all the months, which one's had the worst ranking over the last 25 years? And it just so happens to be August right now. Are they, like, close? I mean, are they, like, fragments apart? Or was there long distance? They, they are very, very close. So June is ranked at 12th with a loss of 0.13%. Oh, okay. 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 Whereas September is ranked 11th with a loss of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, point. Right in the middle there. I got my numbers confused here. But in August is at a loss of 0.15%. So so not not a big issue. But still, when you hear about that stuff in the press, you go, oh, no. You're never going to buy a thing in August. Yeah, you're talking about a fraction of a percent. Okay, but yet it's the worst. You know, it's kind of like there's, there's, there's two people. Like, let's suppose you and I were racing. You know, and 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 let's well, suppose statistics let, on that, Larry. I'm afraid you'd be run all the time on that. One. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and put it out there. Let's suppose I did win the race, right? A foot race, a hundred yard dash, or whatever. Let's suppose I did beat you, then and 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 the press gets a hold of it and goes, you know, Chris McKay comes in second place in in the race, and Larry Rosenthal second to last. You know, it just depends on how you twist it around, right? That's right. That's but right. there's only two people in the race, so so not a major issue at all with when it comes. To that I, I never, never really pay a lot of attention to those types of things. So, so but at the end of the day, here we're still at the same same intersection of, of time, basically on what's happening in the markets, economy. Wall Street needs some clarity of direction. You too need clarity of direction, and that's going to be coming uh, in the next several weeks with uh, the tariff talks settling out and uh, stuff like that. And so, corporate earnings are still continuing to pound. 
And you know, hey, we're just four weeks away from another set of corporate earnings again. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Hey, let's open up the phone lines. If you all want to give us a ring here this morning at 855-ROSE-123, that's 855-767-312. Give us a call. We're going to give it open lines, whatever you want to talk about, anything at all, financial planning, investment strategies, the stock market, interest rates, mortgages, taxes. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal, and we'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Now, here's Larry Rosenthal. If you'd like to dial in, here's the telephone number, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in the studio. Larry. Sure, Chris. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Social Security benefits here today. So uh, a survey was recently done here by uh, EBRI, Employee Benefit Research Institute, 2018, on retirement confidence. Very interesting. I, I, I looked at this, this survey a lot, and, and for, for, for the standpoint of people understanding what reality is when it comes to retirement income versus what they're – you know, their foggy expectations may be. And when it, when it was surveyed here, 36% of, of people surveyed anticipated that when they got down the road to their Social Security benefit, that it will be a major source of their income during their retirement years. So stop and think about this. People are saying, yeah, okay, we think that, that uh, 36% of the people are saying Social Security is going to be a major source of our retirement income, Okay. And and we know that Social Security pays a a, a well, I was going to say a reasonable amount. Some would call it reasonable. Some would call it a lot. Some would call it little. But Social Security pays what it pays, right? Whereas the reality is, once these people get into retirement, 67% of retirees surveyed have determined that their monthly Social Security benefit is a major source of their retirement income. So when you when you break this down and you go, you know, 36% of people think Social Security is going to just, you know, be a, a major por- portion, but yet 
on the reality side of it, the actual side of it, are saying, hey, it is, that sends a message out there saying that, you know, listen, you, people, we're undersaved, basically, or we're overexpensed. You could look at it that way, too. So, and isn't Social Security also, it's a variable in that not everybody gets the same amount based on how much they put in? Is that correct? Not everybody's going to get the same amount of Social Security. Depends on the, it depends on when you take it, and it also depends on how much you've contributed to it over, over the years. And it's not based off of your last three-year average or five-year average. It's a 30-year deal, okay? So, so when, you, when you stop and, and you look at it, my point is that what is the maximum Social Security can pay today, you know, for, for somebody who's, who's, you know, 70 years old or 65 or 66, you know, you have to take a look at, at, at that. But, but a lot of people are expecting one thing, and the, and the reality of it is quite different when you get down the road to Social Security. That's why it's so important when you're working with your advisor and if you're not, you, you, yeah, if you're not working with a financial advisor and you're not and you don't have the ability to run your own financial plan, putting in inflation factors, taxes, spending, breaking down the difference between mandatory spending in your household and lifetime spending. You know, what are your essential income needs versus your, your lifestyle income needs? There's a difference there. You know, some people are going to say, well, wait a minute here. How far down do you want to split the hairs, Larry? You know, how far down in the weeds do you want to dive? You know, we'll take food. We all need food. We all love food, right? But if you eat food in the house versus you eat food out of the house a lot, there is a substantial price difference, right? I mean, you can go to one of these places and get a, get a, get a $15 salad, or you can go to the grocery store and make yourself a $3 salad, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's about time. You're exchanging that money for time. So... And convenience. So, so, so you know, when you when you stop and you look at all this, if you're not working with an advisor doing a financial plan, it will definitely pay you to pay a financial advisor a one-time fee to go in and say, hey, you know what? Let me draw a line in the sand and see where I am right now. Get a second opinion on this because when surveys like this from Employee Benefit Research Institute come out, and it shows what people are expecting versus the reality of it. You know, it really calls to action to really take a good, solid look at, at what's going on. And in addition to that, there's there's news out here now that 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 you know when when we just had a sweeping tax change, right? Just a sweeping tax change, and there's all kinds of stuff coming out. I had a meeting a couple of well last week or so with my CPA, you know, doing doing uh, you know taxes and and doing all the stuff and going over a lot of the different things and. And, and, and they're on top of stuff, let me tell you, and they're still going, well, we're trying to figure that out. And, yeah, here's the answer to this, this, and this. But, no, we're trying to figure that out over there. So, so as more and more of this stuff comes out, you know, people are going to be, uh, you know, kind of going, hey, this is good, this is bad, this is indifferent to, to whatever your tax return is. But my point is I want to bridge over and talk a little bit about that because when you stop and you take a look here at, at part of the tax code, what, what's been – changed changed in it and what's been indexed in it is <clears throat> is something that's kind of interesting here the part of the change in in the 2017 tax code uh, for for corporations and individuals was was a new way of measuring inflation okay and 
it, it got relatively very small attention in, in understanding this change in, in how we are now going to measure inflation. But it can have a dramatic effect on your taxes and your purchasing power and your raises over the long term to come. So, so you know, key provisions – there, there's always a number of key provisions in the tax code that are indexed for inflation. You know, so, so these, these include you know, thresholds for tax brackets, standard deductions, retirement plan contributions, and, and a lot more. Since the 80s, we've used a measure of, of uh, CPI, Consumer Price Index. And people always ask, well, what is inflation? What, what, how do you measure it? What, what's the story on inflation? And I'll give you my little sidebar on that in a moment, okay? But, but this is important to understand because inflation is the silent killer. Inflation erodes your purchasing power away down the road. For example, let's just take, let's just take the history of inflation. Since 1926, runs about 3.5% plus or minus a little bit, and we can argue on, on the fractions here a little Cars bit. Cars were like 100 bucks back in those days, right? There you go. There you go. So, so now you take somebody who's 40 years old, okay, and they're making $100,000. In order to maintain the same purchasing power when they're 63, they need to be making $200,000. And then when they're 86 years old, their income needs to be $400,000 in order to have the, the same purchasing power when they had at age 40 at $100,000. And cars are $33,000. Correct. <laughs> so, so my point is that inflation is, is a, is a uh, is the silent killer when it comes to the erosion or the purchasing power of your dollars. So, so beginning in 2018, right now, we're changing the measurement from CPI, Consumer Price Index, of all urban, urban consumers, to something called Chained Consumer Price Index for all uh, urban consumers. So instead of it being CPI-U, it's now C-CPI-U. In other words, they just changed the formula on it. What does this mean? Well, both indexes, okay, or both indices, however you want to call it, changes the price of a basket of goods and services. But they differ in the way that they do it. For example, the, the old measure, Consumer Price Index, or CPI, would change every couple of years, the basket. And, and here's what happens. For example, let's suppose if beef becomes too expensive, then consumers are – might might start purchasing more chicken, right? So, so Chick-fil-A would be happy about that. There you go. Chick-fil-A is going to be happy on that one. So, so, so think about it, though. If, if beef becomes more expensive, people start buying more chicken, right? And then since people are, are buying more chicken, chicken now will move into the basket, into the category uh, every, every, every month versus every two years. So you can see that that type of a shift weighing on and the the chain cpi is adjusted monthly which uh, results in a lower inflation measurement okay so so the the, the charts that i'm looking at here are showing uh, you know over the last 18 years from 2000 to 2017 the cpi the traditional way of measuring inflation is showing higher by 6.5%, this is cumulative, over the chain CPI. In other oh. words, when you're looking down the road to get your cost of living adjustment for Social Security, 
You're getting your cost of living adjustment raise at your job. You're getting your cost of living adjustment if you're fortunate enough to have a pension plan that does that, okay? So so now the cost is going to be the, the income is going to be going up less based off of that that scenario. When you take a look at the other things too that are chained uh, uh that 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 are that are are going up as as well. So when your income g- goes up, the the tax brackets are also going up too at a different rate. So it could cause people to to move into a higher tax bracket down the road. Now this is years and years down the road. But here's my point on all of this, okay? When you stop and you take a look today, prior to 2018, when we run financial plans out with clients, you know, over the last 10, 10, 11 years or so, inflation has been tracking in the one percentile range, 1.2, 1.8, 1.5, bouncing around in there. We are still running our financial plans out at 3.74%, a long-term history of inflation, okay? Because... The you, game has changed. Yeah, you do not want to undershoot, underestimate your purchasing power in your retirement years. It's vitally important that you really understand this. I once, you know, not too long ago, was was talking to a a uh, uh, so someone that I knew, and 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 um, they were talking about their college funding. They were working with their advisor and blah blah blah. And everything lined up right, and I and I and and they're telling us how, telling me how much they're saving. This is a family member, and and you know how much money they're saving, and blah blah blah. And I asked one question. I said, "Well, what's the inflation rate that's being, uh, uh, you know, targeted on on the dollars that you're saving?" And they went back. They found out, and I said, "Well, it's way way under, because they were running inflation for college at three percent when it's when it's eight or nine. So you see what I mean? So, so you can't, you can't, you, you have to measure it correctly. My point here is this: this all boils down to this scenario right here. Is everybody has different spending patterns? Everybody spends money in different ways. Chris, you you may spend money at the movies, and I might spend money on Netflix, right? Maybe. You might, I might drive further to and from work than you do. You might spend money on entertainment in different areas than I do. I might eat out a lot. You might eat at home a lot or vice versa. So my point is everybody has their own inflationary factor inside their household, and this is where unpacking all of this in a financial plan can really work well, out well. Well, weren't those numbers a little bit more fixed before you kind of had this sort of fixed number? I think you said, like, you need to outpace taxes and inflation. That was the bottom line, right? you got to do that. Yes, you always have to make sure that your investments are outpacing taxes, inflation, and, and inflation and investment fees because that's the net dollar that you get to spend. But those numbers are changing a little bit, aren't they? Don't you have to kind of dial something different into your scenario now? Well, whenever inflation changes up or down or whenever tax rates change up or down, that formula comes out to be a little different. But in order to net a 2% realized rate of return, for most people, you need to, you need to earn about 8, 8.3% return after taxes and inflation. Okay? So, so, and that will keep you ahead of the purchasing power game. So it's important here when you, when you stop and you take a look at putting these things together, the survey – of 67% of retirees are basically saying, hey, you know what? Social Security is, in fact, a major portion of my income in retirement. Okay, that's a fact. Good. Now let's take a look here at how we're changing the inflation number. So if if, in, if Social Security is a major factor of your um, retirement income, 
and and it gets adjusted based off inflation down the road, right? You know, for your raises. Now the formulas change or, or, or has changed to this thing called change CPI, which has demonstrated uh, when you backtest this to give you a lower inflation raise over the years. So there it is. So for 67 percent of Americans out there saying, hey, Social Security is the major portion of my retirement income. Guess what? Your future wages just, wages just got whacked down a little bit because of the way they changed the formula on it. Could I ask you a question about Social Security, just to kind of sure. a little bit of a sidetrack? When it comes to how they make that figuration, you said 30 years. Is that over time? Is that the largest amount of money you put in? How does, how does that no, work? No, it's a lifetime average. Oh, I see. Okay. Lifetime average of it. Yep. That's what it is. For the, for, so really, the more money you make, the more you end up with in the end. Yes. Mm. Okay. That's correct. So, hey, lastly, we've got to take a quick break here. Give us a ring here this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage. 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our telephone number here is 855-767-3123. We have some lines available. Now's a great time to get in with those questions that you've been holding on. That's 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure, Chris. So let's pivot a little bit and talk about bond rates of return. A lot of people have bond mutual funds out there. And here's sort of a question that you can sort of look at your bond fund to see how it's paying you your interest or your yield. And And it's important to sort of understand this a little bit. Because most bond funds will publish the SEC yield, which is a standardized yield, which basically says, you know, the, the SEC yield is, is a calculation based off the last 30 days of all the actual bonds, what they're actually paying. Let's suppose the, you, you look at your bond mutual fund and the yield on it, let's say, is 3%, okay? 
and then you you dive down a little bit, maybe into a Morningstar report or prospectus of it, and you see that the SEC yield, which is the standard way of measuring it, is really 2%. But yet your bond fund is paying you 3%. Where is that money coming from? Is it coming from maybe the bond fund is lending money, maybe there's redemptions, maybe it's just extra principal that's being sold off? to compete because bond funds are going to try to compete to get a higher yield so people invest more money in them, right? But at some point, you have to ask, how how sustainable is the yield if the standard is the SEC yield and it's showing 2% versus your bond fund showing 3%? We'll pick more of this up in just a moment, but I want to welcome Becky on the line. Good morning, Becky. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. How can I help uh, you? The topic that you were on before where you said that our Social Security may not um, generate the um, levels necessary to cover for the changes and how the economy changes. I forget the word you use. It's not – well, anyway, you, you said that it would be less because the percentage is now the CPI or something that is chained. Yes. I am 72, and I never talk about this stuff. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think you should repeat that because – Right after that, you started talking about something else, and I bet a lot of people missed it. That was one yeah. Thing. I was trying. I'm sorry, Becky. I was trying to pack a lot in there into that segment. And and uh, bottom line is this: is that when people are on Social Security, here's sort of the overall lesson of it. You know, 67 percent of people that are surveyed are saying that Social Security makes up the majority of their retirement income. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. So how does Social Security increase for somebody who's already on it? It's based off of inflation, right? If, inflation. Okay. Yeah, if, if inflation says, you know, goes up, then, then you get a raise on, on Social Security, right? Well, they change the formula now on how inflation is computed. And instead of it being CPI, which is Consumer Price Index, which is probably a term you've heard, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it's something called chained CPI. So, so they just changed the name of it, but it bas- they basically changed how things are calculated in the, the uh, formula for determining what the new quote-unquote inflation rate is going to be. And in looking at the old traditional way, the CPI versus the chained CPI, the chained CPI historically proves out to be less of an inflation number than the historical one, translating into people that get raises based off of inflation, such as people on Social Security, the raises are just going to be slightly less. That's all. And, you know, over time, you know, one year, you know, in 2018 versus 19 might not be a big difference. But as that lack of compounding adds up over time for, for, you know, the next 10, 20 years of your life, right, that can become a substantial number down the road. And the ultimate point here, the bottom line of the lesson, Becky, is this, is that where you spend your money is different than where I spend mine. Now, at the end of the day, we probably spend... 70-80% of your money and my money in the same places. We need fuel in our car. We have to buy insurance for our homes and and different things like that. We use toothpaste. We, We use 
cosmetics, toiletries. We, we, we eat food. But you may eat out five times a week. I may eat out two times a week. Therefore, now you have a different food inflation number or food expense number in your budget than I do. So when you start looking at how things go up and where you have your inflation pressures on your pocketbook versus my inflation pressures on my wallet, it could be slightly different. And my point is that going forward now, the formula for what inflation is measured on has changed, and it's making it a lower number. And, and I want to drive the point home of saying still run your financial plans out at the higher numbers because you right. do not want to err on the side of having rose-colored glasses, if you will, and lose purchasing power in retirement years. You just don't want to do that. And, and so we can't get lulled into a false sense of security like that because when you look at chained CPI, basically the, the, the consumer price index, and now we're going to get into the weeds a little bit, but the consumer price index basket of, of, of goods, change they'll change it every two years. Whereas the chained CPI, again, my example, if the price of beef goes up, people are going to stop buying beef and buy chicken, and now that thing gets readjusted every month. So as you can see, as, as people start to buy more and more chicken, the price of chicken is going to go up. And then, you know, maybe five months down the road, they're going to switch back over to beef. So now they're spending it on a lower, a lower item. So that's how the formula gives you a lower rate of return, uh, not a lower rate of return, but a lower factor on figuring inflation. So that, That's very helpful. Can I ask you one other quick question? Sure. Um, I earn $8,000 approximately a year. I've always gotten about $700 back at the end of the year between state and federal. This year there was a letter saying that if you earned under a certain number of thousands of dollars, don't even bother to pay your taxes because there is no return. So I was, so I didn't, and um, it was a letter in the post office with all the paperwork they hand out. And I was thinking that means that the poor people who have the least amount of money just paid the government or lost $700. And I wondered how many poor – what is the percentage of people that pay the lower income tax and how much does the government make off of poor people that way? I thought it was horrible. Becky, that's an amazing question, and I actually have the answer to that broken out by every tax, tax bracket, and it's uh, in my email. Um, so I am just sort of trying to go on this computer system here, Chris. Let's see if we can Let's see how fast you can find your email. Could, if we could do both. Well, first, right? you got to hit the little search button on the top right hand corner. Yeah. So let's see here. <laughs> just a, a second. Just a second here, <laughs> Becky. Okay. It's an important answer, uh, though. It's an important answer. Yeah. Hold on a second, because this is a very interesting chart, and this chart is going to. Um, uh, not make a lot of people happy uh, when when I, when I read it. Well, that really doesn't sound like if it, if the government is making more money on less income people, that uh, that's not a very good thing. If that's indeed the, the case. Well, when I get this chart up here, uh, 
I've got to log into my email system and all kinds of stuff here on the <laughs> live on the air here, Becky. So this let's is see. Live this radio, oh, Becky. This, this is, is live definitely radio. live radio. Let's see if we can figure this one out. On the fly answer. We'll see. You can't stump Larry. He's got the answers, and it's going to be there. I know. I wish I had the graph memorized, but it's it's uh, uh, just some crazy numbers. So here they are, actually. And, and these stats, Becky, the furthest back I have, because this is very deep into the weeds, is in 2015, okay? Uh-huh. And your question was what— How many poor people potentially lost $700 a month? I mean, or more, yeah. Okay, so I don't know yeah. that, but I can tell you by, by uh, adjusted gross income who pays what percent of taxes, for example, if we come well, actually, down, I want to know. I want to know what percentage of the people in the United States are poor. That level, at that level, how many is that? A million? Is it? I, I don't. I don't have that. You're asking what the poverty level is. Uh, I don't. I don't have that number on this chart. I'll, I'll search while you answer. Yeah, that. but I, I can tell you this though, Becky, that that people with income of less than thirty thousand dollars, okay, forty three percent. Of all tax returns filed, showed income of less than forty, less than thirty thousand dollars. They're paying an effective tax rate of four point nine percent, and they're actually paying one point four percent of all of the taxes. When you look at people with income of two million or more, those high income earners, it's point one percent of share of of all tax returns filed. Their effective tax rate is the highest. It's 27.5%, and they're paying 20.4% of all the taxes in the country. When you take a look at somebody whose income is between 100000 and 200000 12% of all tax returns, 123 actually, fall between income ranges of 100 to 200000 They're paying an effective tax rate of 12.7%. And they're paying 21.7% of all the taxes. So when you when – you, and then I can go on and on. It breaks it out into several different income categories. But it does show that the lower your income is, the lower your tax rates are, and the less money you're actually sending into the government um, on a percentage basis. But if you're – Which is the opposite of what the, of what the press would have you believe. Okay. Yeah. But if you are really poor, in my case, which is between eight and nine thousand dollars a year, and you don't have this little bump that helps with, you know, fixing the car or whatever, that's right. really hard too. I it, mean, that it, it, it definitely is, and that to and that goes. That away is just. Well, I mean, this it this poverty all the way around. This year, the the you know, and 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 and. At this point here, since I don't know what your tax return looks like and I don't do tax returns, I would say you know sit down with a tax preparer once and see what what he or she might be able to help you out with, to 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 maybe you know pick something up and then also take a look at at, at what cash flow is and where your investments are and and how to you know maybe you can when 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 people are. Um, uh, there, there, are, there are eight or nine different ways that you can have your investments sort of push cash into your portfolio. You know, your your investments can can be designed for. What you're for doing right now is you're talking to people who don't have investments. And so, so if you're on, if you're on quality. 
of, yeah. um, of really education, um, teaching poor people how to save, um, teaching people things that you know that just come so automatically that you think, ah, <laughs> you know. So um, anyway, I have to go, and I'm so thankful that you actually answered my phone call. I'm so appreciative. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, Becky, if we can help you out in any way, we'd be happy to. If you want, I'll send you out our financial planning toolkit, and maybe that can help you in, in some areas as well, okay? That'd be great. I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get, get ready to send out. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. For more information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's the phone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to ask any questions. We've got some lines available for you if you'd like to dial in. 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure, Chris. Getting back to talking about <coughs> the interest rate or the yields on your bond mutual fund. Again, you want to find out what the current yield is. And again, maybe it's 3%. And then look at the standardized yield of the SEC calculation, and it might be 2%. And then ask the question, where is this other 1% coming, and how sustainable can it be? Because remember, each mutual fund wants you to put money into their product, right? And so on bond mutual funds, they may you know, jazz up the yield a little bit to get you to invest there, saying, oh, this one's paying a higher interest rate than that one. But you have to break it down and find out where that yield's coming from, how sustainable it is uh, in the future if if it's over and if it's large amount over and above the SEC standard uh, yield rates or yield formula, I should say. So take a look at that. You know, bonds are definitely in 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 uh, in view right now. Big spotlight on bonds with with interest rates rising. Where to be in the bond market? And again, there's two types of, of bond risk. There's interest rate risk, which is as interest rates continue to rise, bond prices will go down. 
That's called interest rate risk or duration risk. And then on the other side of the bond street, there's something called credit risk. So as interest rates continue to move up, those bonds that carry credit risk, such as bank loan funds or high-yield bonds, they usually can tend to rise as well. So, so understand where your bonds are today because, again, as interest rates continue to push up, uh, if you're on the wrong side of the bond street, you're going to see some negative returns or possibly negative returns in your bond portfolio. So <clears throat> very, very important to, to really take a look at that. Uh, and, and, and that sort of drops down to, you know, last week we did a lot of terms and, and things like that on, on how to grade your investments. And, and, and one of the terms that, that plays into this is something called alpha. So you can look at your mutual fund, get a Morningstar report, uh, you can just Google Morningstar.com and, and pull up the alpha number on your mutual fund. Type in your mutual fund there, or if you need, call our office and we'll be happy to tell you because the alpha measurement is, is sort of – it measures the difference between the expected return uh, uh, performance given its level of risk. And it's also it, – it's seen as the value added – um, or in some bad cases, subtracted by the money manager. In other words, think about this. You have your, your mutual fund there, and you have a, a money manager or a money management team who's buying and selling all the different bonds or, 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 or stocks and bonds, whatever the makeup of the mutual fund is. And <clears throat> the index that it compares against might get a 5% return. Your fund may get a 6% return. That's a strong alpha. In other words, the, the fund managers... Um, performed better than the uh, than the than the index did. So you want to look to see how that plays out in, and that's part of the grading process of your mutual funds when you stop to select them. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, pick up line two here. Uh, how can I help you? Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm calling in, in in reference to uh, the last caller who was calling in about um, she had typically gotten about seven hundred dollar refund on her taxes. And she got the letter saying uh, that it was no longer necessary for her to file. Had she filed her taxes and it showed a $700 refund, would the government have honored that and given her her money? You know, I, I wasn't quite following some of the things that she was saying there. I was more focused on the question and the lesson at hand there. But when she was talking about the return, um, I'm sure if she was due – uh, a refund, she would have received the refund. So I, I didn't know. I haven't seen that letter from her. I, I don't do her taxes or anything like that. So I, I, I can't really answer uh, that that type of a question. So, but appreciate so the folks. Larry, it sounds like the government is encouraging you not to do this, and you may in fact be due a refund, and they're just saying, well, don't file it. You know, I, 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 I don't know what the situation is there. Okay, so I, I, I would doubt that. I think that when we owe taxes, we, we pay them. They expect that. And when we get a, when we're due a refund, they pay us, and we expect that. So I don't know what the, the situation okay. is. That's why I suggested to, to maybe meet with a CPA or something like that. Okay, so. all right, I, because it, it sounded a little unusual. Yeah, I didn't get the whole the whole thing. So, okay, yep. well, there, yep. you don't even have to put this out on the air if you don't wish. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. We're already there, so I appreciate the Thank phone you. call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, in looking at the 
um, uh, survey here, Chris, of 67% of people saying that Social Security makes up the majority of their income during their retirement years. This brings us to another scenario of people that have a pension plan. How do you plan for your pension decision? When you make your pension decision, it is one of the largest financial decisions in your lifetime. Not only is, is that, but maybe selecting the, the starting point of your Social Security benefit as well. What's the pension decision you'd be making? When you start to draw? Is that the idea? Not necessarily when you start to draw, but how you start to draw. So here's the way it breaks down usually. Let's just, let's just and I'll just make up some numbers here. It, income choices from a pension. The rule is the more you protect your spouse, the lower your income is going to be. For example, let's suppose you're, you're eligible for a pension of $5,000 a month, and it's going to pay you for the rest of your life, but only your life. So if you were to pass, let's say, a year into retirement, your spouse gets nothing. And you go, well, wait a minute, that's not a good choice, right? How do I explain this to my wife, right, or to my husband, okay? So, so another option, instead of taking what we call the high option, where it's a life-only option, and in this case, 5000 a month, you might take a 100% spousal benefit. So now your pension is going to drop from 5000 a month down to 4000 a month. But if you were to pass, your spouse is also going to get 4000 a month for the rest of his or her life. Wow, that's a tough decision. That is a tough decision. Stop and think about this. Let's take two people that are 65 years old and they both retire. Okay, and suppose she has the $5,000 a month pension and they both continue to live to normal life expectancy. He well, goes, if your wife's got the higher, the, uh, that's an easier decision, right? You want <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm well, you, you, it all depends when somebody goes to heaven, Chris. So stop and think sure. about this here. So, so you're going to be spending... $12,000 a year, right, $12,000 a year, okay, because it's $1,000 a month, let's say for 30 years, you know, that's $360,000 of income that doesn't come into your family. And if both people live to normal life expectancy, let's take, let's take them out to 90. They both live to 90, okay, and suppose he dies at 90, she lives to 93, or vice versa. She dies at, at, at 90. He lives to 93. Then they've spent $360,000 just to protect him for a couple of years, three there's years. Not that many people that have pensions anymore, it seems. No, there's less and less of them, but they're still out there. Yeah. Okay, They're out there at a lot of the major corporations, but there's less and less. But still okay? a lot of 401ks and things of that nature. Which 401ks don't really fall under this because that's not a defined benefit plan. That's a that's a defined. So what happens with a 401k plan. like that? Can you transfer that over to your spouse? Oh yes, yes, you okay. can do that through a beneficiary form. That's not a problem. But now let's get back to this again here because there are people. I know there's lots of people running around here in, in the DC area that have pensions from the government. That's right. Okay, and so now you you look at the high income option here. You look at the hundred percent spousal benefit. Now maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to take a fifty percent spousal benefit. So in this case, your income goes from five thousand down to forty three hundred, which is better than four thousand, right? But if you were to pass, now your spouse gets half of that, which is twenty one fifty a month. Or you could take what's called a, a, a ten year certain in life. So instead of it being five thousand a month, 
your income goes to 4500 a month. And you're going, hey, that's great. I can still protect my spouse, right? But only for 10 years. Mm. So if you died in year seven, your spouse will get the balance for three years, and then it's done. But as long as you live, it'll keep coming in. So there's there's a handful of different. I don't like those duels. I really yeah. Don't. There's a handful of different pension selection uh, choices. It's called pension maximization. How are you going to maximize your pension o- opportunity when it comes time to to really make it? And you really have to sit down and, and break this out. Lots of different ways to really take a look at it. Some people say, you know what? I want the high income option. I want the five thousand a month, and if that person dies, they get nothing. So what they'll do is they'll go out and they'll make sure that they have an, uh, an adequate amount of life insurance. That if they died, oh, there's a good trick. Yep, if they died, then that money will come in and provide that income that the spouse no longer gets. Uh, in or addition more. to, or more. That's mm-hmm. correct. <clears throat> in addition to looking at that as well, what happens if if somebody if, if, if a couple passes early in retirement, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars that could there. be lost to the family. Yeah. So a lot of people will say, well, you know what, I don't like that either. I'm going to take the high option, the life-only option, buy some insurance to protect, and then if something happens to both, all that money still inside the family walls, right? Yeah, there's no beneficiary form for a pension plan, right? Just your spouse. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So... So when you're when you're looking at this, and and really there's no right or wrong way to do this. Okay, this is where the this is where people get all twisted up about this decision. There's no right or wrong way to do this because it depends on what your household situation is. You know, Mr. Mrs. You know X Y Z might say I'm going to take the high option, buy some insurance solution. Mr. and Mrs. ABC might say, you know what, I'm going to do the 100% spousal beneficiary, and, and that's it, and, and that's fine. But my point is you need to put all of these different scenario choices into your financial plan. And in a lot of cases, these defined benefit pl- pension plans, they do not receive a cost of living adjustment rider. Okay, There's not a cost of living adjustment placed on these pension programs for down the road. So today, if you're going to get $4,000 a month in a pension plan, 20 years from now, you might still be getting $4,000 a month in that same pension plan. So so some people complain about that, but my response is, hey, guess what? You know, you're getting a nice pension plan for all the years that you work. So very interesting when you take a look at it and, and how much it really provides for the family, you know, cash flow and things like that all the way down the line for, for both spouses. But it is a very large financial decision. Um, hey, give us a quick ring here if you want to get copies of or, or information on, on how to select uh, pensions for yourself. If you want to get information on how to determine, you know, your your bond interest rate ra- or how to look at what your bond fund's interest rate is versus the SEC yield, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. So for Chris in the back, and I'm sorry for Bob in the back, and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We still have a few, about one minute here for music's going to roll here in just a second. Oh, I was misreading the little note. Running out here, yeah. I said no music there. No, there is music. I was just saying it's time to kind of wrap up a little bit. So can listeners hear that music right there that's in our ears now? They can, yes. Okay, so they know too. Yeah, they know. They know. Beautiful, beautiful. It's sad. It's sad that we have to leave today because I've been enjoying this show. So.
Yep, I've got a lot more material here for this show, too. Yeah, so we'll next carry time. it over to next week. Yeah, we'll be talking about smart beta and how investments are changing as well as the different measurements uh, in, in the market. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of your Making Money Sense. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.